Do me a favor, turn to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. Proverbs 17, 17. And, and I do, though. I, I want to talk about friendship tonight. And I think this idea of friendship is a concept and a word that, that is abused and misunderstood in our culture. Uh, I think we have what I would call a lot of Instagram best friends. Um, the, the, the same way I think we have a lot of Instagram followers of Jesus. Uh, and, and this is what I mean. Instagram is, as great as it is, uh, is just surface level. Um, you can fake a smile, you can fake that you're having a good time, and people can't tell the difference on Instagram because it's just a picture, right? It's just the surface. I think a lot of friendships are like that. And that's okay. Uh, you have to start there. Um, you pretty much have to start there. All digging, follow this, all digging starts on the surface. So all deep friendships have to start on the surface as well. And that's okay, but that's the key word. They start there. They don't stay there. And I think for just about all of us, myself included, we, we are content to keep them there. We are content to, we're happy to keep our friendships at the surface. Uh, like someone who's being offered longhorn and instead they have like a cup of goldfish and they're like, no, I'm good, thanks. You, you're not good though. You think you're good because you don't understand what you're actually missing out on. So many of us have surface level friendships and we're really enjoying those, so we're fine, thanks. But we have no idea what we're actually missing out on. God in His grace offers us true friendship in himself, but he also, in his word, he tells us what real friendship looks like between two people, uh, what it's supposed to be. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. One more time. A friend, so there it is, what does a friend do? What's the definition? A friend loves at all times times and a brother is born for adversity the first half of that verse immediately blows away almost everything that our culture values about friendship proverbs 17 tells us that the definition of a friend is someone who loves at all times and the problem is that we only love until the times change we only love until it's no longer convenient for us we say, and you may not, you obviously don't say this verbally, but in your mind, in your heart, and middle school this is true just as much for you, but we say, I'll be friends with you as long as you fit my criteria. As long as you like what I like, as long as you don't ever upset me, as long as you never tell me something that I don't want to hear, we'll be friends and our Snapchat streak can continue, right? That's what we do. And, and think about it like this too though. I cannot tell you how many people I have seen in my short 28 years who on social media, they post about being best friends, about BFFL and all these ridiculous things that don't make sense. And they post all these things. But then as soon as you guys hit one speed bump in the road, it's over. And, and maybe it's not your fault. Maybe they really did do you wrong. Or maybe, maybe they said something that you just didn't want to hear anymore. But either way, you ejected. 
or they did. And this starts young. This happens in middle school all the time. And that only carries into high school. According to the Bible, if when you hit that speed bump, you ejected. Remember, a friend loves at all times. That's what a friend does. And at that speed bump, when you ejected, listen, according to the Bible, you guys were never actually friends. And you say, but Ryan, we were so happy. We hung out all the time. We had so much fun together. We always made each other laugh. How could we not be friends? Exactly. Your friendship only consists of the good times. And it's good to be happy with people. But you can't tell me one bad time you two went through something bad together and you stuck it out. According to the Bible, that's where true friendship is found. Not just in enjoying every good day, but enduring the bad ones. Your fault, their fault, together. Um, the Gospel Coalition interviewed a guy back in 2015 uh, named Joe Dudek, sweetest last name ever, and he's a photographer. And they asked him this question, what has photography taught you about the world? What has photography taught you about the world? This is what he said, when you see life or the world like you see a photo, you realize that, here it is, you realize that the darkest pixels add the greatest depth. When you see the world like you see a photo, you realize the darkest pixels add the greatest depth to the finished work. They provide the contrast necessary to make the bright elements even more brilliant. If our friendships are solely based on how happy the other person makes us, then we will run from the rough patches. Because your friendship's not based on that. Your friendship's based on how happy the other person makes you, and that's it. So if something other than happiness happens, you eject. If we run from the rough patches, when we do that, we're making our friendships like pictures with no dark elements in them. And the dark elements aren't good by themselves, but think about what he said. When they mix with the light, they create depth and beauty. Without the dark elements, there is no depth and beauty in a picture. And if you can't endure the rough patches in a friendship, you will never have a friendship that has depth or beauty. Friendships that bail out when they hit a dark spot or a rough patch are missing depth and beauty. And so many of us are content to just have friendships like that. To just jump to the next lunch table or jump to the next group. Because this group did something that we hit a speed bump and so it's, it's time to leave. Friendships that bail when the, times, when the bad times hit are friendships that totally miss out on what God is doing. He's trying to add depth to your friendship. I think everybody in here would agree that the front of the student building looks a lot better now that we got rid of those bottleneck hallways, right? It was like a science project. You guys were all just like jammed in. There was like sweat and it was terrible. But now we've moved those hallways out. We've taken those walls out and the room looks great. But can you imagine if every time Keith put his hammer in the wall, I was like, whoa, 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 what are you, stop, what are you doing? Every single time. But I miss the fact that he is adding depth and beauty to this place through taking some things out. That's what God does in our friendships. And when you eject during that time, instead of sticking it out, you're like a kid hiding in his room so he doesn't have to go to the doctor. You're missing out on something that will make you well. 
Your friendship will always remain surface level, but if you stick it out with your friends during the tough times, your friendship will, go, will grow deeper than you will ever be able to see. Look at the second half of Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So you start with a friend, and you end with a brother. By the time this verse is over, this friend has become a brother. And that's what God is trying to do through the friendships in your life when things get difficult. Friends love at all times. Lydia, does all times mean just the good times? No. Excellent, Lydia. Does friendship, does, does all times, Kayla McCurry, mean just the bad times? Mm, you guys are just amazing tonight. Yeah, exactly. Friends love at all times. When things are awesome, when things are bad, when things are difficult, when things are awkward, a friend sticks by you. They don't stop texting you. They don't stop sitting with you. And you, look at me, you are to do the same. This isn't just about somebody in your head. This is about you as a friend as well. And in, follow me, in sticking with them through the adversity, you become a brother. You become family to them. Just like the verse, you start as a friend and you end as family. Think about it. You and your family are stuck together. Sorry, not sorry. That's how God invented it. Like, if bad things happen to you, your family's not just like, oh, there goes that one. Like, they don't, you don't just stop being related. Your bond as a family is impenetrable. Disease, destruction, bad things, good things. Your family bond is impenetrable. That's why God uses the word brother to describe a friend in adversity because nothing can stop this friendship if adversity can't. It's like they're related. It's impossible to break this. This is true friendship. A relationship that clings together during hard times. Follow what this is really saying. This selfless friendship is an incredible gift from God because according to the Bible right here, if you find a friend like this, you don't just gain another Instagram follower. You gain a family member. That is exactly what God has for us, and it's exactly what happened to David and Jonathan. Flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now we pick up where we left off last week. 1 Samuel chapter 18. So this is David and Jonathan. Remember, David has been chosen to be the future king of Israel, but Saul is still king at this moment. Saul has a son named Jonathan. There he is, David, David and Jonathan right there, okay? David is best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. So we pick it up in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. we got three takeaways from this chapter. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. And leaders, please be on the lookout for people who are struggling to find this. Now it came about, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Let me read it one more time for you. Now it came about, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan, think about this, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved David as himself. The first takeaway is this, from this verse. True friendships are a gift from God. 
True friendships are a gift from God. Notice, Jonathan's soul was knit together with David's. Did you notice, though, that it doesn't say that Jonathan knit his soul to David or that David is the one that did it? The verb here, to knit, it's what's called, little grammar here, please don't tune out, is passive, right? Meaning something is happening to it. The ball was hit by the bat. Think about it. The ball didn't do anything. The bat did it. And God is doing this in mercy. It's a gift. God is knitting these two friends together at their soul. C.S. Lewis says, Friendship is born when one person says to another, You like that too? I thought it was just me. Think about it. True friendship cannot be forced. True friendship cannot be forced. An unlocking of your heart has to take place when you look at each other and you say, you do, oh my gosh! And even if you do try to force yourself, like to throw yourself out there and force yourself to be friends with somebody, you can force it all you want, but there still has to be an unlocking from the other side that you can't force. A moment where you become friends. My fiance, the beautiful Kristen Naylor, would be described as an introvert, okay? She doesn't just like jump out there and try to be friends. That's what I do, a little too aggressive sometimes, but Kristen really stays back, okay? And Kristen, I was talking to her about this, and she told me like when Kristen was in college, um, she did not just go for it, like trying to make friends, but instead, and I think girls still do this. Guys do it some, more than they'll admit, but girls do it a lot. Like she said, this group of girls, like almost like a pack of wolves, just like encircled her. And they were like, like with kindness. And they were like, we like you. You're going to be our friend. Deal with it. And she was like, oh, okay, I'll be your friend. You know, and that's like how this took place. But here's, so there's the forcing, but watch. Kristen told me with one of her friends, this girl named Kara, that she roomed with, and they weren't really jiving very well, and then one day, Kara had to drive five hours to go pick up her boyfriend, and she was like, Kristen, will you ride with me? And Kristen was like, okay. And so in that five-hour car ride there and back, Kristen said, it happened. That's the exact moment. They were able to share each other's stories, find out where each other came from, learn what they, they liked and disliked, and that's where they became friends. It happened in this moment where Kristen's heart just opened up to Kara. Kristen has another friend named Ashley. And it didn't happen like that with Ashley. With Ashley, Kristen and Ashley played soccer together in college. And so in all the time, in the days and weeks and months and literally years that they were exposed to each other, gradually, over time, they began to learn more about each other and Kristen's heart began to open that way to Ashley. So listen, it happens different ways for different people, but it all ends the same, where your relationship is different than it was yesterday. All of a sudden, you're not acquaintances anymore. Something has happened, big or small, something in your heart, something both of your hearts have in common. And you can't make that happen, that pop, that opening. You can't force that. Well, then how does it happen? It's a gift. True friendship happens in the heart. And the heart unlocking is not a result of human action. It is a result of the grace of God. 
Friendship is God knitting two souls together, not two people trying the best they can. Because you could try all you want, and that person may just not like you. Something has to happen in there. So if true friendship is God's hand moving and not yours, then true friendship, just like salvation, is the result of grace, not works. It's a gift. God is awesome. Number two, true friendship requires that you give yourself up. Look at 1 Samuel 18, verse 2. We'll go 2 to 4. Saul took David that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his jacket or cloak um, that was on him and gave it to David along with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. We'll get to that in just a second. But here's why this is important in verse 3. Jonathan and David are such good friends that they make what's called a covenant. You probably want to circle that. Verse 3, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Here's what this means. The word here to make a covenant, it literally means to cut a covenant. And this is what happened. Have you ever heard the phrase um, in America, we talk about you need to cut a deal, right? True story. This is where we get it. And this is what happens in ancient Israel. You would take these sacred animals and you literally, after they died, you would cut them in half and you would create a path and you would literally walk down this path with the person that you're making a covenant with. We see this in Genesis 15 where God and Abram make a covenant together. And it's, you, the reason you walk through these animals is, is as if to say, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, may what has happened to these animals happen to me. That's a covenant. And sometimes in Sunday school and stuff, you'll hear that a covenant is like a contract. And I understand the thinking behind that, but it's probably not the best example because here's why. In a contract, you tell me, in a contract, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, what do you get to do then? Bye. You get to, you get to leave, okay? Almost, just keep believing, Sam. Um, you get to leave. If I don't hold in, up my end of the contract, you get to leave. Not so with a covenant, a covenant says, no matter what happens, follow this, no matter what happens on your side, no matter what you do, I will hold up my end. Understand that. No matter what happens on your end, no matter what you do, I will hold up my end. That's a covenant. And guys, it's no coincidence that God uses this example in a friendship. Covenant is the truest form of friendship, no matter what you do, whether you take advantage of me, whether you disrespect me, whether you speak truth to me that makes me angry, but I still need to hear it, whether you date the guy or girl that I have specifically asked you not to, whether you have 50 annoying little tendencies that drive me crazy, whether you're late every time we meet up, I will be your friend. That's a covenant. That's the Bible's view of what friendship is supposed to be. Now, real quick here. A covenant is not an invitation to be a doormat. You're allowed to call the other side out. That's what friends do too. I'm not okay with this. I feel like you took advantage of me here. Friends are honest with each other. And if the other person won't change and you've done everything you can on your end to support and help them, but they keep hurting you, 
It's in your interest to break that off. But I thought it was a friendship. That's, that's not a friendship. They're not being your friend. And so often we do this. We stress out so bad because we've done everything we can do, but the person is still not getting better. So we try to like missionary Mother Teresa them into changing. And now it's your fault, guys. So many people do this and they take it out on other people because like they try to fix everything and the other person just won't get fixed. The Bible is clear. If they won't respond, it's now your job to cut this off. Because it's starting to damage yourself. Compulsive fixing is a sin too. It's just as big idolatry as lust or anything else. You have to be willing to cut the cord, guys. And so many people cause so much trouble because they look good because they're trying to fix other people, but God has not called you to do that. You need to be honest with your friends when you feel like you're getting taken advantage of. But if they don't stop, it's now your job to end this. Friends are not doormats. That's not friendship. Friends are firm. Friends are honest. Friends are quick to forgive, even if the other friend is not. Do the best that you can. Sacrifice yourself for this friendship. True friendship requires that you give yourself up. Finally, true friends are God's hands working in your life. True friends are God's hands working in your life. Think about this the next time you hang out with your friends. These actions that your friends take towards you, that's not just your friend, that's God moving through your friend if they're truly being a friend to you. Now remember what I said about Jonathan. Help me out. Whose son? Jonathan is whose son? All right, there we go, Brooks, good. Jonathan is Saul's son, in case you didn't know, right? Which means, all right, not Brooks, share the wall. Which means, when Saul dies, who becomes king? Jonathan is supposed to become king, because Jonathan is Saul's son. But last week, we learned that Eli, who has been chosen by God to be king? Very nice. Jonathan trusts God's plan that David is supposed to be the one. So Jonathan trusting God's plan and being a true covenant friend to David does something amazing in verse 4. Go back to verse 4. Jonathan stripped off the jacket or cloak that he had and gave it to David along with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. Here's why this is incredible. Because in those days, the clothes really did make the man. What you wore said a lot about who you are. And the cloak, the sword, the belt, the armor. Think about this. A poor person can't afford these things. These were the trappings of a king, of royalty, this was Jonathan's identity. He was the prince of Israel. And so he wore what a prince should wear. And so by taking off his royal robes and giving them to David, he is taking off his royal identity and giving it to David. He's saying, God has said that you should be the prince of Jerusalem. You will rule when Saul is gone, not me. Understand that true friendship is always backed up by action, not just words, not just social media. And the same is true of 
following Christ. It's not just social media. It's not just being here. You should be here. It's not just that, though. We do what Jonathan does. You prove the covenant that has been made. But see this. We're in 1 Samuel 18. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David kills Goliath. And all of Israel loved him for it. They even start writing country songs about him. You can see it in 1 Samuel 18. True story. And Saul was a thing of the past now. David's on the scene. And Saul did not take kindly to this, so he sought to kill David, to end his reign before it started. David has no shot at surviving a death wish from a king unless he has someone on the inside. Saul's own son. In chapters 19 and 20, Jonathan saves David's life from Saul twice and eventually allows David to escape to the countryside where David survives until Saul was killed in battle years later. So Jonathan's friendship allowed David to survive. Turn, last thing, to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It is the first verse of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And remember, Jonathan's friendship has allowed David to stay alive. Here it is. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah of the family of David, the son of Abraham. Without David and Jonathan's friendship, David would not have survived. Therefore, Jesus would not have been born to rescue us. Their friendship that God created was such an important part of the whole story. And this is true of you. When you have a true friend, it is not just a cool thing to make a Hallmark movie about. It is the Lord God orchestrating something in your life as part of His story for you. Part of your journey to the promised land comes through the friends that God puts in your life. You are the people you meet. That's what influences you. That's what pulls you this way or that, to like this or dislike this. It is the Lord at work in your life. Find a friend and be a friend, willing to have tough conversations. Find a friend and be a friend, willing to give yourself for the good of the other person. And when you find a friend like that, don't let go. And if you are a friend like that, don't stop. Because it is a gift of God. Let's pray.